Alright, welcome into this episode of Farscast. Farzine Vesugian here with you. Happy 4th of July weekend to all of you. Hope you guys are going to all have a good, safe 4th of July. Hope you guys are enjoying the barbecue, the drinks, the fireworks, whatever it is you've got planned this weekend. Hope you guys all have a great 4th of July weekend. I will be in Las Vegas, uh, so definitely looking forward to that. Uh, wanted to get a podcast out before uh, before I uh, head on out of Kansas City for the weekend. I always tell myself I'm going to do a podcast on this day, but it never goes as planned. I always push it back because I've got 50 million things going on in my world. Always keeping busy, but hey, that's a, that's a good thing. Keeping busy is a good thing. Uh, can never go uh, wrong with that. But uh, definitely wanted to get a podcast out. Uh, touch on some things that have happened since the last time I've done a podcast. A little bit of an update on the whole Deshaun Watson front. The number of games... Where he could be suspended and a decision is expected to come soon, supposedly. Wanted to touch on that a little uh, later on. UFC 276 this weekend in Las Vegas. That's going to be a big one. And no, I will not be at that one. Uh, I had plans of on, on going. Uh, and don't get me wrong. This is a massive card. Uh, but a lot of the fighters on this card, I, I'm not personally big fans of. I, I, I think a lot of them are exciting. Like Izzy, Volkanovsky, Holloway. Uh, O'Malley, Robbie Lawler, Strickland, uh, but I'm not necessarily fans of those guys, uh, so I, I, I took a rain check on this one. I'll definitely watch it somewhere in town, or at the very least, uh, could be uh, streaming somewhere, as we all know, uh, so I'll definitely uh, check it out this weekend. It, it's going to be a fairly good card, for sure, uh, just one that wasn't something uh, I was personally interested in. Uh, the, if Nate Diaz was on this card, I was 1000% going to fucking go. N- not even a question. I, I mean, Dana White, have my money, like charge whatever price you want. I was 100% going to be there for, uh, for Nate Diaz, but no, not the case. Uh, I may go back later this year to a UFC event in Vegas. Uh, if they, uh, happen to be there, uh, they usually, yeah, they do what four or five events in Vegas per year. Sometimes a little more, just depending who is fighting when, because they want the uh, the big names, obviously, to fight in Vegas. Uh, so uh, I think I'll be there again this year at the same time as uh, as the, U- uh, the UFC is going to have an event. So I'll definitely uh, plan on going again. Or not again. I, I'll, I'll plan on going back uh, sometime uh, later this year. Uh, haven't been to a UFC event in a while because of the pandemic. So uh, definitely looking forward to going back at some point. Uh, but yeah, definitely want to talk some UFC 276, the... NHL Stanley Cup Finals are over. No three-peat. The ESPYs gonna happen later this month. They just put out the list of all the awards and the nominees. The Chiefs and the Jayhawks are gonna compete against each other for best game. I'll tell you the other two nominees for that one. And also, there is a reporter out there that is taking a lot of shit from sensitive Raiders fans. All of that here on this podcast and much more. Uh, so definitely wanted to uh, get that out there. All right, uh, let's start with the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, not the most exciting series. It was an okay series. Uh, nothing too cr- Oh, by the way, before I forget, Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugan. That's the Facebook page at Farzine21 on Twitter. And we just surpassed 32,000 followers on Twitter. So you guys are fucking awesome. Uh, big thanks to all of you guys who have supported the page invited your friends uh, and if you haven't done so already there's an option that lets you invite your friend to the page so just if you guys got a moment go to the page 
Look for the community tab or wherever it is you got to go. It gives you the button to invite your friends. Just invite, you know, 20, 30 of your friends. You can do it real quickly. Just tap on each one of them. Uh, if you're so inclined to do all of them, if you have the time, which I'm sure you guys have better things to do, uh, you can do that as well. But, hey, take a few seconds just to invite some of your friends. And you guys have been doing that. You guys are awesome. A huge thanks to all of you guys who have uh, spread the page, spread the love, all that good stuff. Uh, so much appreciated for our, all of you guys who have been doing that. Uh, but back to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, games 1 and 6 were pretty entertaining. The first game went into overtime. The last game uh, came down to the wire. And obviously in crunch time where the Lightning went out there, uh, obviously got on the empty net a little early because it was do or die at that point for them. And by the way... Uh, if you guys watch the post-game interview, John Cooper, uh, the head coach of the Tempe Lightning, so it's always very common to, uh, after, you know, big game losses like conference championship losses, Super Bowls, World Series, whatever, uh, they'll always uh, have a reporter that will interview the head coach of the losing team in the championship uh, outside of their locker room. And... Uh, when they were talking to Cooper, it was a very interesting interview. He talked a lot about how a lot of these guys honestly should not have been in the place that they were. Uh, those that were dealing with injuries on their team. Because they dealt with a lot of injuries this year, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the fact that the Lightning even made it to this point with an opportunity to three-peat is impressive enough in and of itself. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, to me, they're still the favorites to win it all next year. Obviously, they're going to need a much-needed uh, recovery time, rest time, these next couple of months before uh, things get going again in August and September uh, for the preseason and for uh, for camp. I, I just feel like this is still the team to beat. It's still the team to beat at the end of the day. Uh, but Avs got it done uh, in uh, six games. Uh, the Lightning, and again, they were dealing with a lot of injuries, and I think... Uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the media out there were talking about how if this was the regular season, a lot of the players that were playing for the Lightning probably would not have been playing. So there were a lot of players uh, battling through injury just because you know it, it was the postseason. You you know you gotta you know I've got mixed opinions on that. Do you really risk a re-injury and make it worse long run? Long term, uh, I I don't know. I'm not a coach. I'm not an athlete. Uh, to be in that situation is kind of hard to judge uh, from uh, the seat behind a microphone. So the Lightning did what they could. It's not like they just completely got their asses kicked. There were a lot of blowouts in this uh, Stanley Cup final series, uh, but they had a couple of competitive games, and there was even one game where the the Lightning just destroyed the Avs. Uh, but the Avs came out on top. Colorado had two goalies with six-plus wins this postseason. So uh, the, the Vegas Golden Knights tried doing that uh, a couple of uh, a couple of years ago, and it just just didn't really work out the way they wanted to. Um, but, yeah, good on Colorado. Uh, mixing it up, and I don't know what their plans are with those two goalies, if that's something they want to move forward with, if they can uh, have some trade bait with one of them. Whatever the uh, the the future holds, uh, I think uh, Colorado is uh, another team. Obviously, yeah, you know, they just won the championship. Of course, they're going to be considered as serious contenders to repeat next year. So, uh, 
Well, I mean, who else would repeat? Uh, what I meant to say is they're, they're going to make it in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals for next year. Uh, but you guys know what I meant. So, okay series. Nothing too thrilling. Uh, but uh, I, I was pulling for the Avs. Uh, wanted to uh, wanted to see the uh, three-peat be avoided, and uh, that's what ended up happening. But I think both teams are going to be competitive and uh, will but not surprise me too much if we saw a rematch next year. It, it certainly would not surprise me if the Lightning came back to this point next year. 100% would, would not be shocked if they were in the Stanley Cup Finals again. And by the way, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals Three times in a, three years in a row with three different postseason formats. Um, you know, a, a lot of times people talk about, oh, well, you know, they, they were not in the most competitive conference or whatever. People always try to do whatever they can in sports to take away credit from a team if they won a weak division in, in, or a weak conference in college. Uh, sometimes you get that with KU basketball. Oh, the Big 12 is not as competitive. Okay. Go sit in the corner, Karen. Uh, but but in this case, I mean, look, the Lightning, they still made it with three different postseason formats because of the pandemic and the way everything had been operating the past couple of years. Uh, obviously, this year was the more normal year. Uh, so big uh, big ups to the Lightning, uh, again, for making it to, the, to this point. I think they'll uh, be back in for sure. The ESPYs. Uh, they just announced the uh, list of awards and nominees. Best game? Uh, you probably already know what I'm going to say if you guys heard the teaser in the beginning of the podcast. Chiefs-Bills, the overtime thriller. That was, of course, the number one game on NFL Network's top 10 games of 2022. Uh, oh, 2021-22 season. And of obviously, uh, I mean, you have to consider KU's come-from-behind victory uh, against North Carolina in the national championship game, coming back uh, down 16 points in that game. Other games, the Elite Eight Women's NCAA Tournament, UConn and North Carolina State, that went into double overtime, and then Alabama rallying to beat Auburn in quadruple overtime. So three of the four games here went into overtime, at least one overtime period. So you've got that on the list. And then you got uh, the only national championship game. Uh, like, like the only final game uh, it was the uh, the KU comeback. Uh, so here's how this works. The NFL, we all know, has a pretty big bias. I'm expecting the Chiefs-Bills game to come out victorious. And by the way, the Chiefs, uh, this is actually their second time in four years, I believe. They were nominated for best game, and they did win a couple of years ago. Uh, obviously, this did not go in their favor. Uh, but as you guys remember, that fucking epic Monday night football game between the Chiefs and the Rams, I mean, like everyone was so disappointed when the Chiefs and Rams could not meet a couple of months later in the uh, in the Super Bowl uh, because everyone was expecting the same exact thing to happen. Uh, fun fact, that was also Kareem Hunt's last game. But Damian Williams, I mean, that guy balled out in the AFC Championship game that same year uh, and in his entire postseason career with the Chiefs. So I think we could have seen a very similar uh, rematch in the Super Bowl, but maybe in another universe. Uh, certainly not uh, in this one. Uh, but the Chiefs, uh, again, the most competitive team in football the, over the past, what, five, six years? And it's not a surprise that the Chiefs, again, 
are uh, part of the uh, SB nominee for best game and uh, got a very good chance of winning. Although I will say, again, the NFL always tends to get the uh, the the voter bias, if you would, uh, if you will. Uh, but the KU comeback, I think that one has a very good shot at dethroning the NFL. I still think the Chiefs are going to win. But this KU comeback, I mean, first of all, it was the biggest comfort behind victory in college basketball championship history. So that's something you got to consider. And I know some people are going to say, well, I've seen comebacks before. Yeah, but this was the championship. When a team in the champ, if you're in the championship, you're obviously great. And if you've got a 16-point lead in a championship, you should not at all blow that lead. And the fact that KU did that against a great team in the biggest stage of college basketball yeah, that deserves some credit, and I think you gotta if you're the if you're a voter, you gotta seriously consider. I think KU should win, but it will be the Chiefs. And I, I mean, listen, I, either way, one of my teams are winning. I'm not I'm not too good. I I don't think the other two games are gonna are even. I don't think they have a chance. Uh, I just feel. I will say this. I think this one's actually gonna be really, really, really close. I could see this coming down to a couple of votes. Uh, but I think the Chiefs-Bills game will edge out the uh, KU comeback for uh, best game at the ESPYs, uh, which is going to be hosted by uh, Steve Curry. So uh, got a pretty pretty good summer for, for Curry. Won the uh, NBA Finals and uh, now going to be hosting the ESPYs. So that'll be good on him. I want to stick with the Chiefs for a moment. How will they do in 2022? Because... Uh, obviously, you know, it's the offseason. There's not a lot of NFL news going on uh, in general. Um, so a lot of times what you see this time of year during the summer, uh, a lot of media outlets will put out, you know, top 10, top 5 lists. Uh, the Chiefs have been getting a lot of love this offseason. Uh, I saw Pro Football Focus put out their top 10 linebacking corps. And the Chiefs were number nine on that list. Second, that's good for second best in the AFC. The Colts, I believe, were third or fourth on that list. Kind of a surprise to me. But I guess somebody at Pro Football Focus sees a lot of value in Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton. And if those guys get more playing time, which has been the complaint from a lot of Chiefs fans, why aren't those two guys getting playing time? Well, you know what? With Anthony Hitchens moving on, with Ben Neiman moving on, I think there's a very good chance that both of those guys are going to see a lot of face time in 2022. So I don't think there's going to be any complaints about that as long as those guys stay healthy. CBS Sports, which, by the way, their social media is probably the best of any uh, sports media outlet out there. They put out a lot of lists uh, during the offseason. They put out a very interesting list about the uh, the top five head coaches in the NFL. Number, let me pull up the list here. Where is it? Number five, John Harbaugh. And by the way, they put their record and how many Lombardis they have. Everyone uh, on this list has one except for Belichick. I, you guys obviously knew Belichick was going to come. But number five is Harbaugh. Number four is Mike Tomlin. Three is Belichick. That's a bit of a, a an interesting one right there. Number two, Sean McVay. Number one, Andy Reid. That's interesting to me. And by the way, this is top five head coaches for 2022. So it's not top five coaches in NFL history or anything like that. It, it, it clearly says top five head coaches. 
And then in small print, it says for 2022. So you got to see the 2022 part. Okay, uh, let's talk about this one for a moment. Andy Reid's a great head coach. This guy is phenomenal when it comes to getting players to reach their potential or even play above it sometimes. I mean, we saw Alex Smith have good years. Good. Just just good years in San Francisco. When he came to Kansas City, Alex Smith was a much different player. And even in 2013, when the offense necessarily wasn't as big, it was mostly Jamal Charles really carrying the offense. Alex Smith still at that season had his best year as a quarterback in the NFL. His best numbers all come from his time in Kansas City. Jamal Charles, I I just kind of alluded to a moment ago, he was great before Andy Reid got here, but when Andy Reid got here, he was even better. Led the NFL in total touchdowns with 19 that year. I think the worst part about Jamal Charles' career is he didn't have Andy Reid with him for a majority of his time. If Jamal Charles had Andy Reid for a majority of his time in Kansas City, I think Charles would absolutely be a first ballot Hall of Famer, probably would have had some sort of postseason success. Unfortunately, he never got to win a postseason game during his time in the NFL. But Andy Reid really, even guys like Tyson Jackson, uh, I mean, Glenn Dorsey played, those guys played a little bit better. Actually, I take that back. Glenn Dorsey uh, left right before Andy Reid came. But Tyson Jackson, a guy who was not really that good in, in during his time in Kansas City, especially for a number three pick. But when Andy Reid came, I mean, Tyson Jackson was actually playing better football. Uh, you, you look at a, a Dexter McCluster, uh, a guy who was not very good uh, offensively, uh, 2010, okay, solid year for him uh, as a rookie. But then Andy Reid came in. Dexter McCluster was a more versatile and a better offensive weapon. Um, I think if he had Andy Reid for a little bit longer, he probably would have been very close to what Tyreek Hill is right now in the NFL. Uh, but those guys didn't end up playing for Andy Reid uh, for a very long time. It, it, that's my point. It, McCluster was even a better return specialist under Andy Reid's coaching staff with Dave Tope here. Uh, and obviously, I mean, there have been so many players with the Chiefs that have scored uh, a touchdown on special teams. Uh, we've seen that way more than before. I mean, Dave Tope, they, I mean, we haven't had one guy just outright be like the best Return guy. I mean, Tyreek Hill was one of the top return guys in, in, in his rookie year in 2016. But, I mean, we've had McCluster. We've had Quentin Demps, if you guys remember that name. Um, McCall Hardman. Uh, I mean, it, Niall Davis. It's a very long list. A lot of guys have scored a touchdown on special teams here in Kansas City under Dave Tobe. Whereas in the past, it's always been just one guy. Uh, like Dante Hall or, or Vanover. I, I mean, they, they've always stuck with one guy, whereas with the Chiefs, they've kind of mixed it up here and there. It's not the same guy every year. Sometimes you see multiple guys uh, the same year. Um, my, my point is, you know, with Andy Reid, we've seen players play better. Here's the problem with the Chiefs to me. This, is, this football team right now can beat Anybody on any given day, anywhere, anytime, you name the place. I don't care. The Chiefs should always be the betting favorites. I think the only game this year that they're not the betting favorites 
for uh, for uh, any of their games this year. I believe is against the Bengals. There's only one game. I, I posted it earlier this offseason. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm almost certain the Bengals are the only team that the Chiefs are not expected to beat in terms of, you know, the Vegas odds and all that. Here's the goddamn problem with the Chiefs. They play great football for one quarter or one half, and then they just disappear. I mean, it's, it's not just one time this has happened. This has happened so many times under Andy Reid. Uh, you guys know the list of games. I don't need to go over it. Look at the AFC Championship game against the uh, Patriots. You know, if the Chiefs just play, I know D. Ford was offsides in that one, and the Chiefs' defense was just damn awful. 13 of 19 third downs allowed. Uh, Tyreek Hill, I mean, he ran backwards on a punt return, which also drew a penalty, pushing the Chiefs back further, which eventually gifted the the uh, Patriots a super easy field goal. The 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 uh, phantom roughing the passer call. I mean, so so many moments in that one. I get it, but if the Chiefs' offense just showed up in that one in the first half. We could be talking about a different outcome. Uh, again, in the alternate universe, sure. Here's my point, though. I mean, look at the two losses against the Bengals in the same month. The Chiefs in both of those games had 18-point leads. And then what happened? They laid an egg in the second half. They only scored three points in the second half of both of those games. The only time the Chiefs, in the AFC Championship game uh, against the Bengals, the only time the Chiefs scored in the second half was when they absolutely needed to near the end of the game when they were trailing. So I don't know what it is. Because, look, it's not like you don't have the talent, even without Tyreek Hill this year. Because the Chiefs do have a lot of speed, which is all you really need under an Andy Reid-style offense with Patrick Mahomes throwing the football. This team is capable of moving the chains. Who who was it? I think it was Sharp Football came out with a really interesting stat. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quickly. The Chiefs scored on 52% of their offensive drives last year, excluding uh, drives where they did where they kneeled. The Chiefs were the NFL's number one offense. In touchdowns per drive, points per drive, yards per drive, and plays per drive, but ranked 32 in total drives. They also committed a lot of turnovers. We talked about this uh, after like the first, what, two or three weeks, where the Chiefs have like committed the most turnovers, but they've also scored the most points, which is a really weird stat. That does not ever happen. Which is my point with this football team. It's like we know what this football team is capable of. So if this team offensively can just do their thing and if the defense can just be average, just be average. They don't have to be the best defense in the NFL. Just be an average defense. Obviously, they'll need to step it up come playoff time. But if they're just average for most of the year, nothing worse than that. And if your offense is doing what doing its thing... Man, you're going to win a Super Bowl. Play football for four quarters, and you're going to destroy the NFL with ease. They damn near did that in 2018. 
But the Chiefs, the problem with the Chiefs is they don't play consistently good football for four quarters. They destroyed the Bengals in the first half the first time they played them in January. If you guys remember that. They scored 28 points, I believe, in the first half. Look at what they did the second time they played them. They scored, what was it, 18 points, I think? I don't have the score in front of me. I don't remember. Forgive me. Uh, I think it was 18. I mean, there were 21 points. No, it was 21 points. Uh, the, 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 the Chiefs absolutely can beat any team anywhere, anytime. I mean, the Bengals are not a pushover team. They're a good football team. They did a lot of great things on offense last year. But the Chiefs had full control of them for one half and then just completely hit a brick wall the second half. Both games. So I, I don't know what it is. What, like the solution is, okay, yeah, play good football for four quarters. But how do you implement that? How do you address that if you're Andy Reid? Because a lot of this falls on Andy Reid. And don't get me wrong. Patrick Mahomes deserves a lot of blame for, for uh, what happened in that second half. But... It's not the first time this has happened with Andy Reid. That's my point. It's happened a couple times with Alex Smith. It happened in Philadelphia. So this was this is not like a Mahomes issue. This is an Andy Reid issue. 1,000% an Andy Reid issue. I don't know, man. Um, it's just a matter of keeping your foot down on the gas pedal and not, not letting up, not stopping. Pull out all stops. Just keep playing. Here's one thing. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are going to say, well, you don't want to put a lot of plays on game film for opposing teams. Just stop. Miss me with that bullshit, man. Because here's the thing. You could give Andy Reid's playbook to a defensive court. Not that this is ideal, but hear me out. You could give the playbook to a defensive coordinator and say, here, here you go. Here's the recipe. We're not going to tell you the game plan, but we will give you the recipe. You're still not going to stop them. You're just not. You still don't know what the plays are going to be exactly. At the end of the day, the Chiefs can outplay you. They can outscore you. They can outpace you, outrun you. They can do all of that. At the end of the day, the Chiefs are their own worst enemy. Okay, because think of the... Okay, let's talk about the four times Patrick Mahomes has... The four seasons Mahomes has been the starting quarterback. Okay, let's go to the first year. Why didn't they go to the Super Bowl the first time? Because D. Ford was offsides. That's what a lot of people are going to point to. That's beating themselves in the foot. Not scoring in the first half, that's another one. Because I don't think the Patriots did anything too significant to shut down Mahomes like that. No, in the first half, no. Uh, second uh, season, they won a Super Bowl, but it didn't come uh, stress-free. Uh, it, it, it was not easy because the Chiefs just weren't doing what they do best. And then what happens with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, they score 21 points because they're capable of lighting up the scoreboard in a short amount of time. It's just we didn't see that team for three and a half quarters for whatever reason. 
the uh, okay the the third year of Mahomes uh, starting uh, with, with the Chiefs the last game okay I mean the Chiefs yeah their offensive line was terrible but could they have at least made that game competitive yes but why couldn't they because Tyreek Hill dropped a pass in the end zone uh, the one where he's horizontally throwing the ball and actually hit the hands of who Daryl Williams whoever whoever it was. Dropped it in the end zone. Um, So Mahomes had two touchdown passes that were dropped in this one. And obviously the drops carried over to this year. Uh, But ultimately the reason they couldn't make it to the Super Bowl is because they did not play football for for four quarters in uh, in the AFC Championship game. So this is all a matter of the Chiefs beating themselves. Because if they play their game, if they can play... Without stupid mistakes, they're not going to play mistake-free football, okay? Look at the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals. Do you think the Warriors and the Avalanche, each of them had a mistake-free series? Hell no! They all made a lot of mistakes. And listen, when you're, when you're playing a series, when you're playing more than four, five, six, seven games, yeah, you're going to see some mistakes. It's not all going to be roses and rainbows. Uh, but even, I mean, look at KU in the national championship. We kind of just talked about it. They did not play uh, a great basketball game, uh, at least in the first half. Look at the Rams. They did not play a great football game from start to finish. They made some mistakes in that game. So you're not going to have a mistake-free game ever. That's never going to happen. But here's what you can do. You can eliminate stupid mistakes, and that's the problem with the Chiefs. They don't eliminate those stupid mistakes. They can be the best team in the NFL. You can make a case right now that the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, but you can't say that without bringing up the stu- you you cannot avoid the stupid mistakes conversation because that is an issue with Kansas City. That is an issue. So, listen, if the Chiefs want to win it all, eliminate stupid mistakes. Uh what was Romeo Cornell's uh, his slogan, eliminate bad football. Like, okay, I mean, is there anyone that's encouraging bad football? No. But this Chiefs team has a little bit of bad football. And that's obviously not a characteristic of them. So if they can eliminate that... Listen, we, we can sit here and talk about Andy Reid's history because the critics for Andy Reid have not gone away. Even though he's won a Super Bowl recently and had an opportunity to go back-to-back... Uh, the critics are still out there for Andy Reid. But if he wins a Super Bowl this year, man, we're, we're not talking about his past anymore. We're talking about the fact that he's now got two Super Bowls in his very long career. Sure, it took a long time, but he got two. That's more than what a lot of people can say right now. So I think all he's got to do is just, man, focus and play football for four quarters. You guys have heard me say that several times, but that's worth repeating because that is the issue with this football team, unfortunately. Uh, even before Mahomes, uh, this was a, an Alex Smith issue. Uh, not an Alex Smith issue. It, it, it happened during Alex Smith, and it even happened in Philadelphia. So hopefully Andy Reid, one way or another, figures that out. I thought he did at one point, but unfortunately not. Uh, Josh Dubow, who... I believe covers the Raiders for the Associated Press. Uh, he's with the AP, but I don't know exactly what his role is. 
he has taken a lot of heat from Raiders fans. And uh, it's... Man, Raiders fans are uh, are a sensitive bunch. They really are. Um, so Josh DeBoe put out a very interesting tweet, and it's one that's got a lot of facts, and facts that the Raiders absolutely did not appreciate. So uh, I'm trying to pull up the tweet here, if I can. Uh, here it is. So he tweeted this on June the 22nd. He said, five years ago today, the Raiders signed Derek Carr to a five-year, $125 million extension to what, at the time, was the richest contract in NFL history. Since then, the Raiders are tied for the 21st best record in the NFL and have scored the 23rd most points, made the playoffs once, uh, and have won zero playoff games. And Raiders fans, oh boy, they are in their feelings with that tweet. Okay, listen, let me say something right now. I, I kind of touched on this a moment ago. I've seen a lot of people defend Eric Carr and say he's not the problem with the Raiders. Folks, the Raiders have had different head coaches, different running backs, different receivers, different who fucking ever. You still have the same quarterback. There is a common denominator, if you haven't noticed. And by the way, I know a couple of Raiders fans have been uh, showing me the defensive rankings since um, since Derek Carr got there. Cry me a fucking river. Miss me with that bullshit. Patrick Mahomes, in his first year as a starter, essentially his redshirt rookie year in the NFL took a 31st-ranked Chiefs defense and was an offsides away from a Super Bowl appearance. So don't bring up this bullshit of, oh, Mahomes had, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey all four years he's been. So okay, but so did Alex Smith. And again, not to bash Alex Smith, because I do think he was underappreciated. I'll admit I was maybe a bit harsh on him, but it, there was a point in time where it was time to move on. Um, topic for another time. But Alex Smith had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey for 2016 and 2017. How many playoff games did they win then? Zero. Alex Smith did win a playoff game in 2015. That was without Tyreek Hill, though. But when you had both of those guys, they didn't want a playoff game. When you go from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, the defense is merely the same. The only major difference I can think of is they actually got worse because Derek Johnson was no longer on the team. Eric Berry was, I mean, he missed most of 2017. He missed most of 2018 still. Uh, Marcus Peters was no longer on the team for 2018. So again, your defense got worse. And you still won playoff games with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, okay, that was plural. They only won one playoff game. Correction. But they were still an offsides call away from a Super Bowl with that same defense that got worse from 2017 to 2018. And I know they they had the uh, they tied for the most sacks in the NFL. That's great. It, it is. But they still allowed the th the uh, second most yards in the NFL. So. 
the Mahomes carried a 31st ranked defense and was one offsides call away, an overtime period away from a Super Bowl appearance. So all these excuses for Derek Carr, oh, his defense, and uh, he had a bad year last year with Gruden and uh, Henry Ruggs. Shut up. Like, what's the excuse going to be next? I I, I want to know what's the excuse next. You got Devontae Adams? Woohoo! I'm so scared. This isn't the first great receiver Carr's had. He had Henry Ruggs, obviously. He, he balled out with Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. And in my opinion, he should have been MVP that year in 2016. And he was People are going to... Oh, you, you're forgetting he was injured. No, I wasn't forgetting because availability is the best ability in football. Sorry, but that's the harsh truth. What good would Patrick Mahomes be if he was injured? You got to be available to be great. I mean, at this point, it's like, again, the, the Raiders have changed everybody except for the quarterback. They're still not winning playoff games. I'm sorry, but it's true. And listen, I'm not mad. I had a Raiders fan come after me. He goes, why do you want Derek Carr out so badly? Is that really your takeaway? You think I want Derek Carr out? No. Keep Derek Carr. Every time the Raiders extend him, I celebrate. Keep him. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. Enjoy it. I mean, listen, I've never seen a fan base. I said this last podcast. I'll say it again. I've never seen a fan base fight so hard for mediocrity like the Raiders do. But, hey, I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm good with it. So, no big deal. If you're happy with uh, zero play. Baker fucking Mayfield with the goddamn Browns has a playoff win. Okay? With the Browns. Okay, forget about comparing Derek Carr to Patrick Mahomes because all the Raiders apologists will say, well, Mahomes has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, and he's never had terrible de- – well, he's had a terrible defense, but Alex Smith had those two guys, Mahomes and, and – and, or excuse me, uh, Hill and Kelsey, and couldn't win a playoff game with those two together. Uh, Baker Mayfield doesn't have Tyreek Hill nor Travis Kelsey, and he won a playoff game. In Kansas, almost won one in Kansas City too. He almost had two playoff wins, and I know Mahomes was absent. But again, ability availability is the best ability, so you can never apologize for how things pan out. So Baker Mayfield again has a win in the playoffs, and Derek Carr doesn't. And by the way, Mahomes and Mayfield have been in in the NFL for fewer seasons than Derek Carr, and again, those guys still have. Playoff, uh, at least one playoff win. We're talking about the Browns here. A Browns quarterback got a playoff win. But hey, Raiders fans uh, want mediocrity. Hey, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. And that just means uh, more more times the Chiefs can just kick the Raiders' ass each time they play them. Uh, real quickly, I wanted to touch on this high school coach in Washington, Joseph Kennedy. He's an assistant coach. I guess he led a team prayer at the 50-yard line. And the Supreme Court, which has been quite busy lately, 
they were in favor of the football coach in uh, Washington State. Uh, he was placed on paid leave uh, because of the prayers at the 50-yard line. The school district had let him go. And uh, according to the Supreme Court, the decision blurs the, the line. This is from the LA Times. Blurs the line between church and state in public schools with the high court holding that the coaches' actions were protected by the First Amendment. For some coaches, like Johnson, uh, they're talking about a different coach, so I'll stop reading there. Uh, but you get the idea. Uh, okay. I'm not... To me, like, a lot of people are talking about whether or not if this coach was a different... If, if he was practicing a different religion, would the Supreme Court still... Have this ruling? I don't know. It's actually a really good question. A lot of people hate that the question is being asked, but it is a really good question. You can't deny the reasoning behind that question being asked. You can't. Uh, this whole comparison to Kaepernick, by the way, is stupid. This coach led a prayer at the 50-yard line post-game. Kaepernick was kneeling protesting during the anthem. The two are not mutually exclusive one bit. I don't know why people are co comparing the two. So if you're doing that, please stop. Because that's just dumb. What, a, what some people are also bringing up is that whether or not this was forced, I have not seen any report as to whether or not players were forced to join in on the prayer. But maybe some players felt pressure to do so because if they didn't join in for the prayer um then maybe they were they they feared that they would lose playing time or maybe they get kicked off the team whatever which is a, a valid fear uh, listen when i when i watch last chance you or anytime they show uh prayers in a locker room for for the NFL or, or a college team and i do think to myself not every player in that locker room is 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 a religious person so I'm not 100% sure if I, you know, I don't hate what's going on. I'm not a religious person personally, but I don't care. Listen, if, if, if teams want to pray, pray. If players want to pray, go for it. Uh, sometimes you do see some players from both teams meet up at the 50-yard line after a game. Not every player does it. Some players actually take off as soon as the clock hits zero. Some shake hands and meet up with uh, old teammates, players uh, they know uh, from college, NFL, whatever. Uh, and then uh, a few of them will gather at midfield for a post-game prayer. Uh, if you stick around long enough, you'll see that. So listen, I think there a lot of people are talking about this without... A, I mean, there's a lot of context missing here. A lot of people don't know the whole story, uh, and the media hasn't really reported on that. This is a story that needs more information before people should talk on this there's a lot of assuming here some valid questions are being asked too by the way but the assuming there's a lot of that going on so had to mention that here UFC 276 is this weekend Izzy versus Jared Cannonier. I'm going with Izzy man and I don't know by the way what is with other fighters trying to discredit Izzy I just don't get it I really don't I know his last couple of fights maybe not the most entertaining but this guy has been impossible to stop at middleweight. Stop taking credit away from him. Volkanovski versus Holloway. I felt like Volkanovski 
won both of those fights. Holloway in the uh, post fight when Bruce Buffer is announcing the scorecards, Holloway looked like he felt like he won. The second time, a lot of people felt like Holloway should have won. I disagree. Third time around, we got Volkanovski and Holloway again. By the way, I'm picking Izzy for uh, for a TKO finish in the second round. Volkanovski, I'm going to go with another decision win over Holloway. Uh, he just hasn't been able to finish him. Holloway's got good strength. He's got good stamina. But I just feel like Volkanovski, again, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen this time around. Max Holloway's got to change it up. And obviously he will. He's not going to do the same thing the last two times. When you've lost to someone for a championship twice, you got to change it up. So I think Holloway will do exactly that in this fight. And I think you're going to see a more aggressive Holloway. Is it going to lead to a win? That I don't know. I love Volkanovski's defense. He's got great defense. The guy was a stud against Brian Ortega, which is not easy to do. Ortega is very good at finishes. Uh, One of the best in featherweight history. So I think Volkanovski's defense is going to help him again. I I could see this maybe being a low-key fight, uh, but I see it being very close. I think Volkanovski's going to win this one 48-47 on a majority of the scorecards. Uh, other fights, Sean Strickland and Alex Pereira. Uh, I saw Strickland and and Izzy go at it. I, you know, I'll pick, uh, I'll pick Strickland because that'd be kind of fun to see. Robbie Lawler and Brian Barbarina, I believe is how you say it. Robbie Lawler has kind of been on the decline lately. Great career for him, but he's on the decline, so I got to go with Barbarina. This bantamweight fight, I think, is going to be the fight of the night. Pedro Munoz and Sean O'Malley. By the way, um, this was mentioned on uh, some news outlets. Munoz was fired from his high school because he was teaching self-defense in case there's a gunman or someone coming to a school, which I think now of all times is a great time to learn self-defense if our government's not going to do anything, which they're not going to, unfortunately. Uh, Apparently, Munoz was fired. This is something I heard on on JB's podcast, uh, which is interesting. So I did not know that. I did not know that. But him and Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley's been uh, doing some uh, really cool YouTube skits recently with uh, with uh, That Was Epic, a.k.a. Uh, Juan Gonzalez, who uh, spent some time in the KC area. He's good friends with uh, Big Doss TV, who is from KC. They both uh, spent some time in KC. So Big Doss is known for recently uh, sneaking into the bark, uh, whatever arena it was, the Chase Center, I believe, as uh, Clay Thompson. So anyway, I, off topic there. Uh, this fight is going to be fucking good. It's going to be a rumble, and I'm going with Sean O'Malley in this one. This guy's a rising star, and I think he's going to do some good things in this one. Uh, Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone. Uh, Cerrone finally getting a fight after his uh, fight against Joe Lazon was called off twice. Uh, I think Cerrone's going to lose, though, to Jim Miller. He's also on the decline, which is unfortunate. Uriah Uriah Hall, excuse me. Uh, he is on the early prelims, uh, which is just weird to even think, but that's typical for UFC International Fight Week fights. Uh, I think he's going to pull off a win against Andre Munez. Uh, Jessica I over Macy Barber, I think, is going to, that's how it's going to go down. And also Jessica Rose Clark uh, will win over Julia. I don't know how you say her last name. Not going to attempt it. Uh, the, the early prelims are actually very good. Uh, not a lot of times you see early prelims. As good as this. But hey, again, that's uh, International Fight Week for you. A uh, couple other quick notes. Uh, Brittany Griner has a uh, trial date in Moscow. 
Listen, let me just say something about all this. I don't know all the details, and I'm not really going to go deep into this. Uh, she had a, a, a vape pen, I believe. Uh, she had possession of that when they were searching her bag, and that's what got her in trouble. Listen, I think that's silly that it, that's the case, but listen, man. There are a lot of rules. There are speed limits uh, at certain streets I don't agree with, but I got to follow them because rules are rules. Um, those are the rules in Russia, and you got to follow them. Uh, I, there was one report that it could be up to 10 years. If she takes a guilty plea, she could see a few a, a smaller charge. I don't know. Uh, this is very interesting. Um there's been a lot of talk about this one. This is one I've not spent a lot of time talking about, but a lot of people out there are talking about it. A lot of people are kind of laughing at the subject. By the way, if it, for those of you saying, ah, oh, she'll, I, I know she, she kneeled for the anthem and all that. So people are kind of happy that she's in trouble, but for anyone calling her a, saying, oh, she's a smuggler of drugs, chill the fuck out. Okay. I don't know all the details to this, but I, if I'm not mistaken, it's not like she snuck cocaine into Russia, okay? Chill out. If you hate her, fine, but just chill out a bit. Deshaun Watson, uh, what's going to happen? Uh, there's talks about a 17-game suspension plus the playoffs. Now there's talks about a 6-8 to eight game suspension. And some are wondering if the six to eight games was brought out just to kind of get a feel for how the response would be. A lot of people are hoping Roger Goodell does the right thing and, and does the season. Listen, it's more than 20 people coming out. I don't care what was settled. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, Deshaun Watson was not charged, at least not yet. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. Kareem Hunt was not charged, and we all know what happened there. Okay. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a strong advocate for not jumping to conclusions if you are not present for something or if you don't know all the details. But with the screenshots that we've seen and him admitting to apologizing and the uh, number of people who are stepping forward, and the, uh, these are people who don't know one another. This is sketchy, man. This is either the biggest hit job ever or... Deshaun is this is just predatory behavior from Deshaun Watson. Uh, NFL, make a statement, man. Uh, let people know this is not okay. This guy's already admitted that he didn't care for the qualifications of these massage therapists. And when you're an NFL player making millions, you obviously got to have the best care for your body. And if if you don't care for these qualifications when you're making millions, you're a pro athlete. I mean, come on, it's pretty obvious what the what the intent was from from the start. This guy should be suspended for a whole season. We got a big heavyweight boxing match coming up, y'all. Uh, Le'Veon Bell versus Adrian Peterson. <sighs> oh, boy. I cannot say that with a straight face. Um, Adrian Peterson, I mean, hey, it's going to be nice for him to finally fight someone his own size. Can't use a switch, though, in this one. Uh, got uh, Got to use your boxing gloves in this one. Le'Veon Bell, hopefully he shows up. Hopefully he doesn't talk too much shit. Um, do I give a shit? Like ninety-five percent of me says no, but look, I know I'm gonna, I, I know I'm gonna watch it. I, I, I'm not paying for that shit. Fuck that. Um, 
Le'Veon Bell versus Adrian Peterson. Two free agent pro bowlers who cannot find a job. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I want to know who's going to win. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I don't want to see it. Uh, I do want to see the outcome, at least. Um, I might forget it by the time it happens, honestly. It's going to be one of those. Uh, here's an interesting matchup. We've got Le'Veon Bell versus Adrian Peterson. Here's a matchup I did not anticipate seeing in 2022. Dave Portnoy versus Dan Bongino. Um, if you're a sports fan, you know who Dave Portnoy is. If you don't know who Dan Bongino is, he is a political commentator. I believe he was in law enforcement in the past. He's a conservative, uh, commentator for Fox News. So, Portnoy, as you guys know, he is... All conservative. Uh, you all know what happened with Roe versus Wade. I'm not going to go over it on this podcast. Dave Portnoy spoke out, and he actually had a more liberal opinion about this. And listen, I hate saying that because this is not this shouldn't be considered political, but it is. He had an opinion that favored the liberal side. Dan Bongino was livid and actually called him out. He called him every name in the book. By the way. People who cuss on the internet but use, like, the hashtag, the dollar sign, the percent sign, the ampersand, the asterisk, the at symbol. Dude, just say the word. Just say the word. I mean, talk about silencing yourself, okay? Uh, Anyway, Dave Portnoy fired back and thought it was funny how this guy, his words, not mine, basically, you know insinuating and by the way he means this not literally he means this um figuratively basically was giving him oral action below you know the south equator uh you guys know what i'm talking about there uh i just criticize these guys for silencing themselves but look at me right now uh okay he basically said hey this guy sucked my dick for so many years that's what dave portnoy just said about dan bongino and then it's like, you know, it's actually, Dave Portnoy actually has a valid point. By the way, Dave Portnoy shared a screenshot. Someone um, someone praised him once for a political opinion. And then when Portnoy gave this opinion that women should have a choice, the same person bashed Portnoy. By the way, somebody um, sent a, I, I talked about this just recently. Someone sent a, a message to a Broncos player thanking him for visiting his dad at the hospital. And the same guy attacks that same player for speaking up um, during the Black uh, Black Lives Matter uh, movement uh, that took a big uh, made some big waves in 2020. So here's what's so weird about our society today: we can agree on 99 things, but the one thing we disagree on, we have to fucking kill each other. Why? Listen, I get this is a very sensitive subject. Listen, I'll tell you right now, I, I don't have a stance on this. I'm actually torn. I, I don't I don't agree uh, with abortion, but I also agree with uh, a woman's choice. I, I'm one of those people, man. I, I really don't know what my stance is on this. I, I know that's a weird opinion to have because everyone is, is either one or the other, whereas I'm not like that. Um... And I don't know why so many people think you have to be one or the other. I've said this before too, but I'm getting off topic here. My point is this. In this world, we and by the way, I'm surprised Dan Bongino didn't pull out the uh, stick to sports card because some people did do that to Portnoy. 
we can again agree on 99 things with someone, but it just takes one small thing that we all of a sudden have to hate each other. And I just don't get it. Um, I've seen liberals. Listen, that one small thing is obviously a political thing. I've seen liberals say, hey, conservatives can never respect you for a difference of opinion. And I've seen conservatives say the same thing about liberals. So they're both guilty of it. It's not one side or the other. There are a lot of people out there who you, the moment you see someone of it, listen, what's the number one reason so many people hate LeBron James? It's for political reasons. Yeah, sure. They'll mention, you know, his play on the court and him not winning a championship this year. But let's be honest. The reason you're, you're really hating on him is because of the political opinion. There are other players who agree with you politically that are even worse, but you don't call them out because you agree with them politically. I had this discussion with Chase Misko, a really cool guy. Uh, he's a comedian uh, in uh, in the Arkansas area. And we t- he, he mentioned the word social credits. I'll never forget that. You know, some people are willing to give social credits to certain people. Here's a great example. When the compilation came out of Joe Rogan saying uh, the racial slur, the N-word, at the same time, uh, Whoopi Goldberg said a dumb thing that the Holocaust was not about race. And she even defended her own comment when she was on, I believe, Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Carson's show. Forgive me, I'm not good with the names of the late night guys. Uh, I get them mixed up sometimes. But the one on CBS, okay? The, the people who defended Joe Rogan wanted Whoopi Goldberg canceled. And the same people who defended Whoopi Goldberg wanted Joe, uh, Joe Rogan canceled. So... Again, this whole thing going on with Dave Portnoy and Dan Bongino, which, again, I did not have on my 2022 bingo card, as people like to say. Like, come on, man. You can, again, see eye to eye on so many things, but just one thing separates the two of you, and it's just World War III is happening. Listen, whether it's my family member, a friend, I don't see eye to eye with them on everything. I don't. Do we disagree and have discussions about it? Yes. Do we fucking kill each other? No. I just don't understand how this world gets to this point where it's either we got to have, we got to agree or we got to have war about this. Um, I just don't. Listen, I've always appreciated rational conversations with people I disagree with. There are a lot of people who, you know, you'll disagree with. Uh, I remember, um, uh, what was it? I think it was the Woodley Jake Paul match, the first one, with where Jake Paul clearly won that fight. And I said that on 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 social media, and someone says, "Man, to think I even respected you." It's like, wait, the so you don't see eye to eye with me on, on this whole Jake Paul thing. Now suddenly you don't respect me. Which, by the way, I don't give a shit about your respect. I, I always think it's funny the people who vocally speak up and say they don't respect you or, you know, they're the people whose respect you never cared for in the first place. Uh, but again, it's just like one difference of opinion. It's all it takes for people to just want to clash. It, to me, it's just, you know, we, we complain so much that there's so much negativity. Spoiler alert. We're responsible for that negativity. It, it It's almost as if we're looking for a reason to create negativity and to create war amongst ourselves. People want to blame the media. Oh, the media is dividing us. No, no, no one's dividing you. You are dividing you. That's what it is. It's the damn truth. 
And if anyone says I'm wrong, please prove me wrong. Like, again, like the smallest things can tip people off and just want to go on this tirade here. And I just think it's fucking silly, man. Grow up. Grow up. Half the shit that people are saying to each other on Twitter anyway would never say to someone's face. I just recently shared this really funny uh, video that went viral. Uh, On the caption, it says... Uh, social media versus people on social media versus real life. And it's two dogs barking at each other with a fence in the way. And when the uh, owner slides the fence open, the dogs stop barking. And when the fence closes, they start barking again. It's like, that's a, a perfect metaphor of social media. How this is. And by the way, I've actually come across people who, it's funny. Uh, it was at Johnny's Tavern. I actually met a, a few listeners there, which is kind of cool. Um, a woman confronted me there because I blocked her on Twitter. Guess what she had to say? Didn't have shit to say in person. Now, I don't remember who she was or what she said, but I'm sure she said something shitty uh, uncalled for that you know I, I blocked her. By the way, I said this before. People are like, oh, you're soft for blocking. No. Blocking people does not indicate someone's soft. Blocking people indicates that you're getting rid of the garbage so that way it doesn't pop up on your social media timeline. That's what it is. Um, And by the way, there was another, I won't say the person's name, and I'm actually doing this person a favor by not saying their name. Someone in the media, uh, not, not like a big personality, but someone in the local media, I mean, they've had a few choice of words for me uh, when I'm not around, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, when I came face to face with them, uh, at one point I, I confronted them. I said, Hey, we're face to face now. Is there anything you want to say? Not one single word. They just walked away. I, I mean, listen, it, it, it's just, and that was at a Royals game too. Uh, it's like, come on, uh, what are we doing here? We're really going to start talking shit on each other, throwing out every curse word in the book at, at one another because we disagree on one topic. I don't know. You guys are way too obsessed with uh, disagreeing with people. I'll say that right now. Calm it down, man. Tone it down. Chill out. I can't remember who said it. I think it was Charles Barkley. Like if like 90% of voters are actually really good people. And if they actually take the time to talk to each other, especially if they don't even like talk politics, man, like if you can avoid all political feelings, for anything it's like you can actually get along with someone it's crazy how that works but hey uh i'm just uh i'm just saying i'm just saying it i'm just telling you how it is okay i'm just telling you what i see and how dumb it is but hey what are you gonna do about it all right hey i appreciate all of you guys tuning in and uh listening to this episode of farce cast good episode a lot of good topics here we covered up have a great fourth of july Do not do anything crazy. Don't mean to be anyone's parent right now. Don't pull a uh, JPP. If you don't know what that means, Google it. Other than that, I will be in Las Vegas. That is going to be a lot of fun. I am looking forward to that vacation. Hopefully, uh, my flight doesn't get canceled like uh, so many of these other flights. But I think all plans are... uh, our uh, green light. So I'm excited for that. Looking forward to it. If I see you in Vegas, give me a high five. We'll uh, we'll have a drink. Why not? Other than that, appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this. Have a great weekend. 
Have a great holiday weekend. Happy 4th of July. Talk to you guys next week.